happening. Some people will do anything to take their favorite video games everywhere they go. But now Tiger gives you all the fun and excitement of your favorite arcade game in the palm of your hand. Games like Shinobi, the ultimate ninja must defeat seven terrorists through four exciting levels of play to free the kidnapped children of world leaders. Also coming soon from Tiger, Jordan Bird, Simon's Quest, Double Dragon, Marble Madness, and more. Tiger LCD Video Games. And welcome to the 100th episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And since this is our 100th episode, we're going to do something slightly different. I believe we have a special listener question to start the show off. Uh, we do. Uh, this is actually just a, a really quick question. And uh, this comes from Mark. And uh, he just wants to write in to say, hey, guys, I don't really have any questions this week. That just kind of goes against what I just said, huh? I just really missed this contact form and wanted to visit again. Mm. I think this contact form on your website truly is the pinnacle of what the Internet has to offer. Modern technology has really reached its peak with the ability to ask all of you a question here. While I'm here, though, I suppose I ought to congratulate you guys on your 100th episode. And do you guys have anything special planned for this celebration? Well, Mark, uh, this, this is it. This is our hundredth episode. I, I can't. I honestly can't believe we've made it this far. No, it's about ninety nine more than I expected. And I, I'm, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm actually very excited because I have not gotten bored in uh, in a hundred episodes. I mean, yeah, sure, there's been games that I've been bored with, but generally, I'm always very excited to see what the next game's going to be. I'm actually enjoying doing this podcast, and and actually for a hundred episodes where we have not lost a member, that's also probably some sort of landmark. So I'm very excited <laughs> that all three of us are generally still on every episode. Well, you know, I, I tried to change that for you guys, but I, I think I'm, I think I'm in the thick of it now. Uh, there, there's no escape at this point. Yeah, hundred episodes, and they have flown by too. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm excited too because I, I, I feel like we're just uh, hitting our stride. And there, I mean, there's no shortage of games out there uh, for another hundred. It's really weird to think that we have been doing this for like how many years now? Like four, yeah, years, four years, four or five years. Jesus. That's that's been a long time to to do a podcast every other week, and I think if you go by uh, if you ever listen to any other gaming podcast, uh, especially one that isn't uh, professionally produced or paid for uh, by a corporation, uh, then uh, you you know how long they usually last, and, and how many people kind of come and go off of those. So I think it's it's a merit to just how how much our our lives suck that we have managed to do this for four years and, and keep keep it going with without too much of an issue. Well, speaking of how much our lives suck, even though this is our 100th episode, I do feel like I have to ask Billy, what have you been playing since our last episode? What have I been playing? Well, I, I you know, I've been still playing Mario Kart, trying to trying to get the uh, the trying to get the gold, the, get the three stars on on every cup, you know, up in that fucking 200 cc 
and I've got this shit going where I'll be on the last track, the last lap. I've already done three other races and somebody will fucking come through and, and, and you have to be first. You have to finish first in each one, uh, which is normally not a, a problem for me in Mario Kart. Uh, but 200 CC is a different animal. And, and there's a lot that could go wrong there. And it usually does. So that has been a frustrating time, but it's a work in progress. Otherwise, uh, there was a, a little indie game out on the computer several years ago called To the Moon. And, and, and I played through this game and I highly enjoyed it. And once I got finished with it, I uh, was never going to play it again. Uh, not because it's an awful game. It, it's, it's, it's an outstanding game. Uh, but it fucking left me a, a goddamn mess at the end of it. Uh, inconsolable. Uh, and they put a sequel out uh, not too long ago, Finding Paradise. And I have put that off also because I figure it's probably going to be more the damn same as far as the condition I am left in. So I didn't want to do this to myself. But uh, the allure of it is finally too great. Uh, I'm about an hour, hour and a half into that. And and so far, it hasn't tugged on the old heartstrings too much. Well, I don't have any emotions. So I, thankfully, was just mm-hmm. playing the Dragon Quest Eleven uh, demo that's out in the Switch. I'd mm-hmm. never played it on the PS4. Uh, and, I, you know, I, Dragon Quest is one of those series I always think I should like. And then I get really bored. About 20 hours in, I don't finish them. That's exactly where I am with Dragon Quest Seven and Eight on the my 3DS. I will eventually finish them, but I always think, like, I'm missing something. I don't know why everyone thinks this is so great. I think it's pretty simple. Uh, but that said, a free demo on the Switch that's, like, 10-plus hours uh, sounds like something I wanted to try. And so far, it is... It's avoiding what I got bored with the previous games, I think, just because it's much prettier uh, hmm. and the enemies have dumber names. All the enemies in those games have goofy names anyway, but it seems like this one has a lot of bad uh, bad pun names. Uh, so, Cruel Cumber. Looks like a big cucumber. I mean, I'm excited about that stuff. So, I've been playing that, but the other thing I did, speaking of little indie games, maybe you guys have heard of this one, Cuphead. Came out years ago. Uh, I had it on computer. Yeah. My computer, uh, which I've complained about before, is probably 15 years old at this point. I'm surprised it still records a podcast. It does not play Cuphead well. It played a few levels just fine, and then a bunch of them would like glitch out, or the levels, like the whole background, just go solid black, so I couldn't see things I had to dodge, uh, making that game basically impossible. So I picked it up again on the Switch and got frustrated and and slowly, slowly been playing through it. But finally, I don't know if it's because my my youngest son has decided he wants to get good at Cuphead, which is infuriating yet fascinating because he is slowly getting good at it, but he also wants me to help him constantly. But uh, I, So I was like, I, I'm back into this game. I'm going to finish it. And I finally beat Cuphead. I'm very proud Holy to say shit. I beat every level on regular, not not the easy mode, so I could get to the last real boss. And I beat him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I found out that it unlocks like an extreme mode on every level. Uh, and I cannot beat one of those. They they are <laughs> they are ridiculous. The first level with like the vegetables garden where you're supposed to fight through vegetables. On extreme, I can get about 13 seconds in. So uh, that doesn't matter. I'm just very proud of myself for finishing that game. Uh, I, I know you said, Billy, you got to Mr. Dice at some point, uh, which is basically the end. You had two more big fights. But I, I plowed through them, finished it off very proud. Now I can stop playing it forever. Yeah, I'm trying to get there. I, I'm in the midst of a, a hiatus from it. Yes, I got to Mr. Dice, and I am just... Uh, it, it got to the point... With a game like that, yeah, it's frustrating, but it's fun at the same time because you know going into it uh, the, the difficulty to expect and what you're going to get. But fuck it, it hit that point. Like Super Meat Boy hit, where I just I had to put it away because the, the fun completely vanished. And I'll do the, and just like with Meat Boy, I'll put it aside, put it on the shelf, you know, a few weeks, 
dive back in usually finish after that i I think a lot of times you just have to have that little cool down period and and get your wits about you and then jump back in now see i have not played cuphead too much i I played like a couple of levels and i enjoyed what i played but uh a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago i went to a flea market and uh, one of the booths was just a it was just filled with adult diapers and (laughs) out of nowhere in the middle of this booth was a cuphead plushie and i just (laughs) just literally it's just a cuphead plushie and I wanted, you know, is this, are these two things related? Are you guys just like getting beat by a really hard boss and then just like shitting yourselves? And you got to have the, the... I, uh, the diapers would have come in handy a time or two. I, especially with Dragon Quest, to be honest with you, I'd save a lot of time. A lot of, a lot of breaks I wouldn't have to take. I guess I, I, that was just one of the weirdest things I think I've ever seen in, in a flea market. Just this booth filled with stuff that would go for older people bathroom purposes. And then a Cuphead plushie. Well, I do so have two questions for you. One, did you buy the Cuphead plushie? I came close. It was like it was priced at like five bucks, but I was kind of kind of scared at like what that plushie had been through, especially coming from that booth. Yeah, you just I'll... never know at the flea market uh, what you're going to get. Uh, you know, as as far as diseases that are embedded in things that you buy. Well, especially in a room full of mm-hmm. adult diapers, you probably want to skip that. But my second question is, what have you been playing since our last episode? Well, it's been pretty much nothing but Fire Emblem. And uh, since we last spoke of this game, I actually restarted. Um, I was on the, the the black whatever their fucking names were. I can never remember their the, names. The red ever. team. I don't remember anyone's name, but it's red, yellow, and blue. Uh, so I'm assuming it, it, red. Yeah, the, <laughs> the the one with the hot girl. Yeah. Um, and so I switched teams. I'm now part of the Golden Showers. That's and it. So <laughs> like uh, the guy with the bow, and we are. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing a lot better, even though I did lose like two people immediately upon starting and getting with that group uh doing a lot better this time because i figured out that you can actually over level in that game by a lot and really all you have to do is um on the weekends you know when you're just hanging out you know you can either explore the castle do a seminar you can do battles uh and um there's one battle that you can just do basically over and over and over again that doesn't cost any battle points uh, and, and like, if you've never played this game, you, you only have so many points to use to, to, uh, to do these things, to, to upgrade your students before you just kind of have to move on with your schedule. Uh, but there's one, one battle in, in the, uh, on the weekend that you can just do over and over. And I've, I've overleveled the hell out of all of my characters at this point. And now I feel like I can just beat anything. Like I'm going through these story missions and just destroying them. And I, I think I'm about like uh, six months in as far as like the game storyline. And they keep offering that. And I just do that just to fuck around because I'll just, you know, sit around at night and drink because that's what I do with my life. And I'll put in Fire Emblem and I can I'll do the exploration and, and I can get that over with. But then uh, the weekends after that, I'll generally just do those battles and gain like two or three levels per person or focus on a person. And that's it. That game's fine now <laughs> i don't have any problems with it um so apparently that's just what i needed to do i needed to go back to the 1990s and constantly grind my characters over and over until i can just beat it uh you know just force my way through the game now did you hit that halfway point yet not yet i didn't do i got pretty close on my other playthrough that i was doing but then i knew what was going to hit so i was like look i'm not happy with how things are going. I've lost way too many people. I was playing on classics, so they just stayed dead. Even though they still roam around in the castle, which sucks. I'm just like, come back to my army. Like, you didn't actually die. You're right here. But no, they they won't actually fight with you again. They'll just kind of talk to you in the castle. 
so that's why I changed. And I, I wanted to put a lot of the stuff that I did learn and like learning the battle system and how you upgrade your students and the best paths toward each other, especially like in, in the, uh, when you're teaching and the, the students come up and they're like, Hey, I want to do this because I don't like what I'm doing before. I was like, you know, you, you want to do that. That's fine. All right. I'll let you do that. Turns out that's not generally the best thing. You just need <laughs> to tell these kids what the fuck to do, what you want them to do and stick with it. And that's, it's, that's has worked out great for me. So yeah, I think uh, this is the one I'm going to stick with this time. I'm having a lot more fun with it. Uh, still absolutely love that game. Probably one of my favorite tactics games I've played in, in years. Well, I, I don't know how else to delay the inevitable. I suppose we have to do this. Hey, uh, maybe on, maybe a uh, hundred episodes ago. I don't remember exactly how long ago it was. Billy mentioned that he was very into uh, a Tiger Electronic game, a specific one about a 90s <laughs> R&B dancing, singing star. And, uh, and so it kind of snowballed into the idea where we decided our 100th episode had to be all about Tiger handhelds and, and handhelds in general pre-Game Boy. And, uh, and I guess let's let's do it. Tiger puts arcade action in the palm of your hand. Games like Batman. Choose your weapons in this four-level game of action as you jump from rooftop to rooftop trying to get through six vicious henchmen to get the Joker. But can you defeat him to win? Also available, Tiger's Batman Wrist Game for the time of your life. Tiger LCD Video Games. Video excitement in the palm of your hand. The fucking Tiger LCD spectacular. Uh, this is this one has been a long time coming, and and I thought maybe you guys were just fucking with me right up until now. Uh, I thought that uh, you had called me out on this joke, and we were going to see just how far we could push it. Yeah, this was going to be all about Bubsy too, but instead we decided to go ahead and do this uh, and Toma too. All the all the sequels to things no one wants <laughs> us to cover. Uh, but actually, instead. I'm going to be honest, I do not have a lot of experience with Tiger handhelds. I've used them because everybody and their mother, except for me and my brothers, had mm-hmm. one. Um, not mm-hmm. because of any specific reason. I, I don't know why maybe my parents were just like, no, these are terrible. Even we know these are bad because they played a little bit of video <laughs> games. Uh, but but every time I went to a friend's house or a sleepover, you know, a sleepover at someone's house, especially if you're playing like a one-player Nintendo game. Like, I remember there were months and months where we'd stay at someone's house and play like Final Fantasy 2. So it's, you know, three people watching somebody just grind enemies. And so we would find other things to do. And I guarantee you I picked up a Tiger handheld and I played for 15 minutes and I was like, what is this? This is absolutely terrible. I, I think my only experience with Tiger handhelds and handhelds in general up until the Game Boy was desperation. Uh, fascination, that especially mm. before the Game Boy, because you didn't realize you could make a handheld that actually felt like a game, you know, a game system. I always wanted of all those tiger handhelds they looked really cool but i never had them and then when i did play with them i was always like ah this one's this one's not that good so i'm going into most of these games we're going to talk about completely blind except for one which i will start with in a minute but i think both billy and jeremy have played a lot more of these than i have these things saved me many a time on long car trips you know until it fucking got dark outside then you're out of luck otherwise yeah i had a i had i say had it's it's somewhere this is another one of those next time I'm at my folks' house, there's a box somewhere uh, that I'm going to have to crack open with a, with a modest collection of Tiger handhelds in it. And, and these were just, I don't know if it's just where I was growing up, uh, but these were just hot shit, especially in my school. Uh, we would, you know, everybody would bring like one or two of theirs in, especially on the bus ride, you know, to and from school. Uh, you know, you'd swap these out with folks. These were it. 
I don't know why these were, I mean, I had uh, legitimate gaming systems at home, uh, but there is just something about these and, and the idea of taking a game, you know, with you, just you, you, I'd say you put it in your pocket. Some of these didn't quite fit. Some of them, some of them fit a little bit better, uh, but just taking these with you in the car, you know, uh, go over to my visit uh, family, bring that along. So I don't have to socialize with them. These things were just, they were there for you. That was it. If you were a kid and you were hooked on video games and you had to leave the house, I mean, there was a point in time where this was, this was the only route you could go. And I just, I picked up a ton of these in a short amount of time. Cause yeah, when the Game Boy came around, there was no point anymore. Uh, these things were done. But up till then, yeah, I had played through a good deal of these. And I think, uh, most of the ones we're going to talk about uh, this episode, I have have maybe not owned, but have at least played through once or twice. I mean, the, these were portable gaming, you know, uh, until mm-hmm. the Game Boy came out. Like, it's people are like, why would you ever play these games? Well, there was, believe it or not, mm-hmm. there was a time before the Game Boy and where the idea of, of carrying around a, a game with you uh, was still like, you know, it it was an amazing thing that you couldn't imagine. And Tiger electronics games or things like that were, you know, that's, that's the closest thing you got. I mean, that's, that's, that's to be said at one point in time, this was like the most advanced uh, handheld gaming there was like, this was, this was it. If you wanted to take some games with you, this would, this is what you had to get. Uh, Also because like, these were just, you know, cheap, you know, it, it wasn't like these were NES games, you know, they didn't cost 50, 60 bucks. You know, these were like 20 bucks. And around there, I think some of them maybe back in the day went a little bit above, but these were affordable. You know, if you had an allowance, you didn't have to save up for weeks. You know, you could generally get these in a, in a couple of weeks. And, and that was uh, very appealing for people or, you know, for kids like me that, that didn't have a lot of money or didn't have the patience to save up for a full NES game or something like that. And also the appeal mm-hmm. of just being able to take it to school, you know, like you said, and, and show off because there were so many. There were so many of these things. No one had the same ones except for maybe like Double yeah. Dragon and Ninja Gaiden. But it, it was al- always fun to see what what various Tiger Electronics games kids would br- bring on the school bus. It, it was really just a, a strange thing. But I think that was mainly, uh, at least for me, the appeal of, of owning one of these things. Well, Tiger wasn't the first company that did these. I mean, there were already like Nintendo Game & Watch, which was bigger in Japan than here, but still was here. Uh, all those like mini Coleco arcades that looked like tiny arcade booths, a little differently shaped. But they, mm-hmm. I remember I had, I didn't have, I wanted one so bad. And I, you know, they're, even now I want to find like an old broken one and turn it into a lamp so that I can live alone. Uh, but I still really like, I, I like the concept of these LCD games. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a a screen that could be as as fast as a regular television or or a screen. So it's like the LCD screens. It was if you were in one spot and you hit a button, another frame would come up. So these things were really jerky looking. They they kind of did the best they could to make it look like arcade games or things you knew. Um, but but again, Tiger really didn't start doing these things in bulk until nineteen. Uh, 87, 88, 88's when they really got all the ones that we're thinking of. Double Dragon, uh, Ninja Gaiden, all these other games that were supposed to be, you know, arcade licenses or Nintendo licenses or TV licenses. That was all 1987, 88, 89, and Game Boy came out in 89. So you're really only talking a small window of time where they were the only game in mm-hmm. town. That said, they still kept making these things, uh, you know, through the late 90s. Uh, and, and I think, you know, you hit on a good point, Jeremy, that they're cheap, and that was a, a major point. If you're going to buy a Game Boy, you're talking... 
what was it, 80 or $100 for the Game Boy when it came out? I don't remember anymore. Uh, but games were, you know, $30, $20-$30 for one game. If you were just trying to buy something, especially for like your kid on a trip or your grandson or whatever, you knew if he liked Double Dragon, you could just buy this handheld Double Dragon. In the box, done, finished, you could play it, didn't have to worry about anything else. Uh, made it very easy. Uh, they had a bunch of great licenses. You said everyone had, you know, there was a bunch of different versions. You never had the same one as your friend. They seemed to get all the best licenses. If it was a popular video game or TV show or, uh, you know, anything, there was a Tiger Electronics handheld version of it. So, and, and the art on the unit itself and on the packaging was the arcade art or, you know, some other equivalent good art. They look very pretty. The actual units look mm-hmm. look great. Uh, what's on the screen, not not as much, but the game itself, like the physical thing you're holding in your hand, looked a lot more like an arcade game than a, holding a Nintendo controller. So there, there's, there was a, a, you know, just an immediate thing that drew your eye to them, especially if you didn't really know how to play these things too much. And, and the third thing is they were everywhere. Like Nintendo games we've talked about before, you had to kind of hunt down the ones you wanted, and then they're 50 bucks. Even on the Game Boy, even less of a, of a chance to find the ones you're looking for. But every store, and a lot of grocery stores, and a lot of other places had these Tiger handhelds. So it was really easy to find them wherever you were, especially if you just found yourself in the middle of nowhere, on a road trip, doing whatever. Boom. Get yourself a new Tiger handheld. Keep yourself busy for, <laughs> for hours, like Billy said. Uh, I didn't have a lot of experience doing that because my parents were cheap, and that's good, I think. Uh, but, but it meant that I... I always was excited to see these and then was let down by them. But I think if I was stuck in a car with them for hours, I would have learned to appreciate their greatness. And I think in some ways, mm-hmm. for this episode, I may have found one or two of them that I actually could see myself playing uh, at the time, even after having a Game Boy, because I thought they had a little more to offer. But some of these, I did not feel that way. Uh, and we'll get into, <laughs> into those pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> the one that I had played that I remembered, and the one I'd like to start with, is Double Dragon. It was one of the first handhelds they put out, and it's on a property that everybody knows. It's, it's Double Dragon. It's a, you know, the classic street brawler. And I remember playing it and being bored with it, and so I played it this time, and I have to say my feelings have not changed. So, so it's, <laughs> you are, you only have two, okay, so you have a movement, uh, you know, D-pad more or less, and then a jump, or a punch, and a kick button. Up on the D-pad jumps, down on the D-pad ducks. Other than that, you have a, a jump, or up, I'm sorry. You have a punch and a kick button, and then that the directional movement. You only seem to have on the screen two frames where you can actually move. You can go, you know, forward, like in the middle of the screen, and then if you push to the right as if you're going to keep moving, the screen quote scrolls uh, over, and you can see new enemies come in. Uh, you can tell you're moving because there's little rocks that show up every once in a while that move uh, across the four spots you can <laughs> that can move on the screen. Or if you hit back, you'll kind of jump into the background which I assume has a purpose later in the game. I admittedly did not play this one too, too long. But mostly I use it to dodge things. I don't know if that served much of another purpose. Uh, Other than that, you just walk up, and the same enemy comes to you over and over again, and you wail on the punch or kick button, and it seems, at least in the early levels, that as long as you just don't walk away from the screen and, and you sit there and keep hitting that punch button, you'll just destroy everyone that walks up to you. Now, I did yeah. get through the first couple levels, and it does get a little harder because guys start throwing dynamite at you, you have to dodge, and, and it seems like the attacks get a little more damaging. But generally, uh, there's nothing else to this game. You, you keep fighting the same guy over and over and over again until eventually you get to a gate where you fight the same guy again, and you walk through the gate. Is that what oh, everyone's who- experience with this game is, or did I just miss <laughs> something horrible? Oh, boy, this is not a shot. <laughs> This is not a shining example of Tiger LCD at its full potential. No, this is, uh, I mean, you think about Double Dragon in general. I, it's a pretty basic game anyhow. Uh, 
but the only thing is, you know, the backgrounds change and the enemies change up. But this is Double Dragon if you removed those things from it. Uh, no, this was a uh, this was a task. This was a task, and and I think ever the optimist, especially about this episode, I I believe I was quoted as saying when when talk of Double Dragon came up, that could be pretty good. And no, you told me it was boring, and I was about thirty seconds in when I realized uh, why. Uh, you know, the Tiger Games. There's only so much real estate on that screen, and within that little system. Uh, to, to crank out different characters on there. And man, this one sure uh, didn't seem to put forth much effort. I mean, you are fighting the same fucking guy. Oh, and he's not tired of getting that fucking ass beat. He keeps showing up over and over again. Yeah, they start throwing dynamite every now and then. Uh, this is one of those where I didn't really, uh, I didn't quit playing because I lost as much as I just, uh, I, I, I couldn't justify spending any more time on it. it. It's 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 not a good one. I think uh, I'd never got saddled with this one as a kid. Somehow, I love Double Dragon, uh, but I just never ended up with this one. I would not have been pleased. Like as much of a nut over these as I was, I, I still probably even as a child would have had something negative to say about this one it, it just doesn't it doesn't do anything as we'll see with some of them they they try to do something with what they have who this one uh, there's no effort behind this at all I, I think what we'll find whenever we you know get into these is it's it's really amazing kind of what these the whoever you know programmed these games was able to fit onto this one screen Mm-hmm. And it was either they tried to recreate what was in the actual game on the NES or the arcade, or they kind of tried to do their best to maybe fit it something what, uh, uh, you know, the old uh, Game & Watch series from Nintendo and, and mm-hmm. make it a little bit still have the license, but kind of do its own thing that can maybe fit on that screen better. And I think this is one where they really tried to just recreate what you could do in the arcade. And mm. that doesn't translate to this really at all. I mean, there's only so much you could do, like you said, and just walking forward and it's the same enemy over and over. And I'm sure everybody's played a tiger handheld game. So they know it, it's, it's literally basically the same thing over and over. So you have to kind of try to make that fun. And this isn't fun. It, it, they can give you these, you know, it's like punch kick. You can do all that stuff and, and jump into the background which I'm guessing they tried to do because you can walk into the background and, and still punch people in the original game. So that was their way of being like, oh, you know, this is how we can do that. If it plays anything into the game, I couldn't figure it out. Uh, but otherwise, it was like sit back there and punch the same guy over and over or sit in the foreground, punch the same guy over and over. And it was actually the first one that I did. And I was like, oh, God, this is exactly what I'm in for with this episode, because I don't think it's going to get much better from here on out. Uh, I would well. We'll wait and see. I guess everyone will find out if it gets better mm-hmm. than this. Mm-hmm. As we listen, so That's we each right. picked, uh, along with the MC Hammer game that we're going to talk about at the end of our Tiger retrospective. Uh, everybody picked two games. Uh, Double Dragon was my first one. Uh, Jeremy picked two games. His first one was Carnov. Carnov is a game we have not covered on the NES, uh, even though I wanted to do so for Car November. Hey, everybody! Uh, but we did not. And there's a sequel on the Neo Geo. We will probably look at it at some point. But this is. Nothing like any of those games. This game is actually 
more or less the exact same game as Double Dragon, but you breathe fire <laughs> instead of punching big people. <laughs> I did not see any difference to Karnov than the Double Dragon game, except that uh, at the beginning there was already a, a tougher game because there's a guy at the top that throws rocks or like dragons that yeah. come up that spit fire. So at least you're fighting more than the same thing over and over again, but it's still about three or four things. And again, it I, I don't know if it's because they tried to make it look pretty, because I mean, on their own, if you don't watch the thing move, the the, the LCD images look pretty, but it's just too big. Like, there's not enough movement to move around the screen and do stuff. It's, it's, you have two positions again. You're walking forward. Uh, again, rocks or little panels show how far you're going until eventually you get to the end of the level and fight uh, a harder version of one of those dragons that looks like you can kill that. And you go to the next level, starts again. Uh, I did not enjoy Karnov either. I thought it was harder to play than Double Dragon, uh, but not in a good way. Um, and nothing at all like the Karnov that I remember. Uh, again, I don't remember much mm. of the arcade game. I remember a lot of the Nintendo game. Uh, but this was, other than you're, you're kind of a big guy with, with no hair that breathes fire, I didn't see anything that reminded me of Karnov. Although I will also, and we should have said this about the previous game, the sound on all of these games is absolutely terrible. The sound on all Tiger yeah. handhelds is just some random beeps. Uh, it doesn't appear that on most of these games they try to do anything more than just kind of go, you know, do-do-do-do-do-do, you know, to make sure you know what, what uh, the game is started or whatever. They don't try to make music for what I saw that you recognize. And that's probably a good thing. Uh, I think I think some of the other games may have, in fact, tried to make music out of the Tiger handheld mm. and failed miserably. I heard it's the same sound chip from the Sega Genesis. Oh, boy. That's going to get us some letters. That's going to get us <laughs> some letters. I mean, is- I, I guess I should mention why I, why I bought this. I mean, it's Karnoff. Yeah. Why, why would anyone buy Karnoff on a Tiger LCD? Uh, I mentioned this in a previous uh, podcast where, like, I had saved up my money to specifically buy Karnov on the NES, and I ended up, uh, I couldn't wait long enough, so I ended up buying Alpha Mission instead, and <laughs> I, I completely ruined my life with that one because Alpha Mission was terrible, and I promised mm. myself I was going to get Karnov, and instead of saving up <laughs> enough to buy the NES version, I ended up buying the tiger electronics version and oh. uh, at that point i was just like you know what i am i'm just going to make myself enjoy this because i'm obviously never going to buy the real karnov on the nes so i i got dangerously good at karnov on the tiger electronics uh thing it was it's it's not good i mean like you said it's just you basically dodging that thing that that throws shit at you all the time at the top of the screen and uh that's it really i mean you can throw a fireball you can throw an axe or whatever the hell you can throw i'm gonna have to say that this game uh, don't just write it off for another double it it had a little bit of variety for the enemies and it it had my favorite perhaps in this entire episode my favorite instance of fucking trying to make something out of nothing uh the background for the majority look is like mountains you know a couple clouds you got mountains that are conveniently blue in the background there is a water there's an underwater stage in this game and those blue mountains double as the water uh it's it's outstanding use uh and yeah karnov karnov he's got like a his little flippers on and he's underwater and and there was a sea there's like a some kind of dragon some kind of sea dragon you have to battle uh and, Completely different from Double Dragon that never changed things up. I was at least happy to see that, even though uh, even I had to sit the fucking thing down. I started laughing over the fact that these things that were they were passing off as mountains are now hey, 
uh, these are currents now. These are waves. I mean, you had to do that because it was just you couldn't yeah. change the background. The background was just you know pre-painted on, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. that little screen that was in the middle that that had all of the art on it. You know, that was that was the entirety of the game that you had to you know try to fit into that thing. And I, I think it's actually kind of fascinating if you go and look up uh, just those screens, just that that shows the full amount of art that is on one of those tiny oh, screens. Yeah. It is ridiculous what they managed yeah. to do in some of these. Uh, and I used to be fascinated because uh, whenever you change batteries on them, like as soon as you pop yes. those new batteries in, you get that for just a minute. I mean, I just trying to, to take in everything on there and try to see if I had had seen all of it yet. Yeah, and that's especially like the ones where you hadn't really got to like uh, the second stage or whatever, and then mm-hmm. you see that on the screen, you're like, oh, I know there's there's something else in this game that I haven't played because there's you know this this dude swimming or something like that or this other enemy mm-hmm. that I haven't seen. Um, but yeah, I mean that's uh, they had to work with what they had and they didn't have too much at all. Well, I obviously didn't play enough because I did not get to those underwater screens, but uh, bringing up the mm. backgrounds on all these games, uh, yeah, they're all static. I mean, even if you have the game off, you can see the background that's there, and it normally mm-hmm. fits the game. So in Double Dragon, it was like two buildings, I think, <laughs> like a building and a street that looked pretty basic. And in Karnov, it's it's two mountains. Uh, some of the games, uh, the next one we're going to talk about was one of Billy's choices was Batman. And, uh, you know, based on the, I, I'm assuming based on the movie, although it could have been based on a comic since... The, the movie was based on a comic, but in Batman, you're on rooftops. So you see like kind of two levels of rooftop that you could be on all these little, little windows and kind of a, you know, a, I think the, the bat symbols up in the corner or something too. Like it's pretty nice looking for a background and actually all the LCD pieces fit nicely on there to kind of make it feel like you're running across rooftops. I had to give that mm-hmm. game credit that the background actually was pretty great. Um, Batman was a little better than the first two we talked about. I, I don't know if it was because this is about the same kind of rules where you only really had two spots you could move on the screen and then to move forward, you could see it kind of scrolling based on the rooftops, uh, little pictures, or little lines that show the tops of the rooftops that would come on. Uh, but it seemed like they had a better mix of, even though it was the same handful of enemies, a better mix of variety of how they came in. So it wasn't always a guy runs at you from one side of the screen. Guys would come in from the top or the bottom. They would, they would kind of jump back and forth on these two rooftops. And you had to make sure you jumped between the rooftops. I'm assuming that was the image, even though it looked kind of like you were jumping in the air, uh, back and forth on the rooftops uh, and throwing your batarangs at those people. I actually liked Batman uh, more than the other two. Again, it's still the same kind of game. It's not going to blow your minds. But I also liked that when you got to the end of the level, you actually fought the Joker. You actually <laughs> did something different than fight the same two guys over and over again. You fought mm-hmm. somebody you recognized, and he was a little more difficult. You had to actually have a different strategy to fight him than, you know, just do the same thing for everybody else, or just kind of run at them, shoot your batarang, and jump back and forth. I, I liked that. Um, again, didn't play a whole lot of it, because after about two levels, I was like, yep, that's that's Batman, but I did enjoy that more <laughs> than the other two. Now, Batman, th- this was my go-to. This was, like, uh, one of the major ones for me. This may have been the one uh, that actually did clock. I clocked in the most time in, and yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Like, uh, it's <sighs> I feel like a fucking fool for even mentioning the term graphics when it comes to these, <laughs> but but this was a nice looking one. I thought, uh, you know, Batman is is very well done on there. Uh, the Joker is. I mean, you can tell it's the Joker. Uh, but yeah, there was a lot of strategy involved with this one too. This was this was uh, one of the few. Uh, games where you just weren't clacking on that button over and over. You know, you had enemies on that second level and the bottom. And you, and a lot of them had projectiles. And, and the bullets would move 
just a little frame at a time. And a lot of times you'd have something going up top and down the bottom. So you just had to, you had to kind of figure out when to jump, when to drop or when to go up to the other level, when to come back down. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it had a little bit of challenge to it. Uh, it, must have some kind of replay because value because I kept coming back to this one. Uh, this may have been the one that got a little bit of play even after the Game Boy came around. Not much after that, but I, I, this was probably the last one I officially put down. Uh, yeah, I, I certainly can't recommend it. If you're curious about Tiger games, I, I would say this is probably a good, good entry level game for you. At least of the ones we talked about, it definitely is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this one was actually my second favorite of the ones that we played because it actually feels like a game. It it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like a weird experiment that someone has thrown onto a tiny handheld. Like it it definitely kind of calls back to that game and watch kind of formula of, you know, multiple you know, there's only so much you can do, so here's a couple of paths that, that the enemies are going to come come through and you can go back mm-hmm. and forth between those. And that's fine. I I actually really enjoyed that. Uh, it's it's not super easy. You know, you're just not sitting there playing it forever. Uh, there's actually a tiny bit of strategy as to how you want to go mm-hmm. about doing it. And, you know, like like you said, there's a boss to it. I mean, this was this was like the way to do these kinds of games and, and make them have any sort of value <laughs> as, as a kid and yeah. not just be yeah. completely ridiculous as far as like what they were trying and fail miserably at it. Uh, and so, I, yeah, I, I never actually owned this one as a kid. I never played it, uh, but playing it for this i yeah i i would have absolutely loved this one as a kid i think this was a you know kind of a progression because i thought double dragon was almost too simple and then karnov added a little bit but was still on unimpressive and kind of boring this was a little bit faster it had more enemies i actually think the next game that billy recommended which was robocop 2 um Mm. and if it was actually not robocop 2 and i played the wrong one you should tell me now but I, I thought it was RoboCop 2. Uh, Let him go. Let him go. Oh, no. It. That's not good. Was it RoboCop 2? It is RoboCop okay, good. 2. Yeah. I feel much better. Uh, I realized after I started playing it and I was looking at the uh, the list of games, like, wait, there's a RoboCop 3. Oh, boy. Did I pick the wrong one? Uh, although, for, if you're going to pick a movie, you don't pick 3. So I'm, I'm assuming it was 2. So, yeah, no. RoboCop 2 uh, seems to be, of these kind of games, the best of the four to me. Now, maybe uh, there, there are some disagreements here, but I thought RoboCop 2 was faster. Uh, the fact that you had yeah. uh, you had limited ammo, so you couldn't just sit there and pound on the fire button like a crazy person. You had to wait till an enemy was on the screen, fire at them, so you had to dodge. There were people at the top throwing stuff at you as well, so you had to kind of dodge back and forth. And you had to make sure you had time to pick up the ammunition boxes that came on the bottom of the screen just by ducking in front of them. But if you went too far, if you went one panel over because you were just trying to dodge something or move it up, you couldn't go backwards. And you could run out of ammo, which happened to me the first time, uh, which was very frustrating, and you die. But I still thought that was a, a neat extra option i mean again you're, you're only talking about a, a screen that has two or three positions and you know four to six buttons depending if you count the directional pad as four buttons or one so it, it was nice to have that extra necessity of watching your ammunition and then picking up new ammunition but also i just thought it, it played a little faster i, I enjoyed robocop 2 more than the previous three uh, i think batman was pretty close I, I i liked batman enough where if if uh, we were just covering two or three of them and we skipped the first two, I would not have minded that whatsoever. But I think RoboCop 2 was the best of these. I, wanted, I don't want to call them brawlers necessarily, but let's go with that because they're the same kind of game. Uh, of the four we've covered, definitely. Yeah, and this was a, I, this is a solid one. And I, I was just a, a huge RoboCop fan of one and two, and that's it. But yeah, RoboCop 2, when this thing came around... 
Uh, it's it's it does a decent job. Like Batman, it keeps you it keeps you occupied. I mean, you have enemies coming uh, from the left, from the right. Basically, your controls are moving ahead. Uh, you shoot to the left. There's a button for shooting to the right, and every now and then you have to shoot up. Yes, and and it yes, and it really uh, does a good job of changing that up to where you are on your maybe more so than any of them. You are on your toes playing this one. And, and yeah, there are ammo pickups throughout this one. And if you don't stop to pick that up, uh, you're going to, you're going to run out. Uh, especially if you are the kind that just wants to go in and just blast away. It, it's not going to work for you on here. Uh, also worth mentioning, they work in uh, several enemies. You've got, uh, just this guy that has never, this uh, shirtless muscle guy that I don't think has ever appeared in a RoboCop I, film. It's Jeremy P. Uh, the one, Yes, of course. A cameo. Uh, the woman in here, I believe, is the woman from the film. Uh, the kid from the film is in it. And fucking Kane is in it. I believe he throws like a, a, a grenade or something at you. And he later shows up. I didn't get to it at this point. I have before. He shows up in robot form. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, later. Yes. Um, it's very limited. I think he just shoots like two grenades at you. And uh, you just kind of blast. That's one of the few times you blast away. But uh, yeah, I, they managed to, to fit a lot into this. Um, and not to mention, I always thought it was hilarious because uh, the, I guess, death animation for the it looks like this RoboCop's just some old person who's fallen down on fire. Like He's an old person on fire, cursing his cursing his luck and how feeble he is. Uh, it kind of sounds like this game has more content in it than the actual NES RoboCop games. So yes. <laughs> it's uh, that's pretty awesome. I'm going to admit right now that I totally forgot to play RoboCop 2. That's all right. You may have uh, missed out on one of the better options on this. Episode. I know I, I did. It didn't even cross my I played all these other ones and then I totally mm -hmm. mentioned that. I was like, oh, God, that's the one I totally forgot. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, it, you got the rest of your night planned for tonight. <laughs> well, I, as a kid, I, it, it would have been like two, two, th two deciding factors. It's like, do you play as RoboCop? Obviously, I guess. Yes. And mm -hmm. do you shoot oh, it yeah. as RoboCop. And yes. if it met those two criteria, I would have probably bought that. Like, I mean, that's, I mean, a lot of these games were basically just like extensions of what you did at, with your toys as a kid. Yeah. And, you know, especially something like RoboCop. I had the RoboCop toys. Yes, they sold RoboCop toys in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I love that shit. And any way to be able to, like, take that on, on you know, out on a trip or something like that. Fuck, I, I would have bought this game in a heartbeat if I had seen it. But I don't think I ever saw it anywhere. I didn't see these games a lot. Now, now saying that, I did buy Double Dragon at a Stucky's as a kid <laughs> on a trip. Like, we were going down to Kentucky, and we stopped by a Stucky's, and they had Double Dragon on a peg and, and I totally bought double dragon like that. Um, but yeah, otherwise it was really, I only ever saw these at toys R us and I didn't get to go to toys R us too much. Uh, besides that, it was like the, uh, some really bad ones at like, you know, Kroger or the drugstore or something like mm. that. So I, I don't think I ever saw RoboCop two anywhere. Yeah. I don't remember the selection being everywhere, but there were definitely available like the big titles at every Kmart, at Ames, at Roses, all these stores that are no longer in business I could talk about. Uh, all the games, thankfully, aren't arcade brawlers. Uh, they aren't all just, you know, take your 
licensed property and we'll slap it on top of Double Dragon and add some extra things to it. That would have been a long, long episode. But no, thankfully some of the others do a little more. Uh, we aren't covering this one, but I did check out the Back to the Future uh, Tiger handheld just in case. And it's it's just you're just driving the DeLorean, but it's a different kind of game. You're driving from the bottom to the top. You have to dodge some stuff. It actually did not seem that bad, but I picked Gauntlet. Uh, Gauntlet was one of the earlier Tiger handhelds, but also Gauntlet was my original like go-to arcade game. When we go to Chuck E. Cheese or Showbiz Pizza, uh, and there was an, uh, a Gauntlet, it was a given. My parents would be $5 and quarters, and I would just sit at that Gauntlet machine until it was time to go home. I loved Gauntlet. So I was very excited to see what they were going to do with Tiger LCD screens to redo Gauntlet. And uh, I mean, it's only one player. Obviously, you can't have four players on this tiny screen. But other than that, they didn't try to remake Gauntlet, which is good. I think that would have been a, a weird disaster that wouldn't have worked out well. Instead, they it's it's a maze game. Like uh, you you you're just going through kind of a rough labyrinth. It seems like you're just going from the south to the north generally, and you'll find the exit. But while you're doing that, you're fighting enemies that that will slowly move around. But also, you have to make sure you attack them and not just run into them. You have to make sure you get keys that'll unlock things for you in the later levels. I mean, it, it's got a little more to it, and I think they they succeeded in that by not trying to remake the Gauntlet arcade game, but taking the core. Uh, really the core ideas on the art for Gauntlet and making a game based out of that. But it it was not bad. I actually liked the Gauntlet handheld. Yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised. I had not played this one. And yeah, it does its own thing. Uh, and I, I, I was always thrilled whenever I played a Tiger game that wasn't, wasn't kind of, I guess you'd say, a side scroller, something that, that tried to do something that gave the game a little bit of depth to it. And this one does a great job uh, with with what it has uh, to, to kind of produce the the maze or maze like effect the thing has. I, I was very very impressed with this one. Uh, it, this game amazes me. Like I can't believe this existed. Yeah, I never played this one as a kid, but playing it this time, like you say, this, that this works. And by all accounts, it should not work. <laughs> It is, it is it is one step away from being an, an insane disaster from someone that has tried way too hard to make one of these games fit on a Tiger LCD screen. Mm-hmm. But it works. I mean, it's it's just crazy how you can you can actually move through the maze, like mm-hmm. back and forth and, and kind of navigate your way through this maze. And the enemies will actually kind of go around each maze part and to, to try to get to you. It's just crazy what they could do with these things if they had the right mind and they weren't just trying to make a cheap buck off of it or if somebody was actually you know competent in what they were trying to do mm-hmm. well and they, they took a you know in gauntlet you your life is more or less a timer uh, when you get hurt it takes away some of the timer it goes away slowly on its own anyway when you attack it takes away some of the timer they use that in the game i mean they and they use it well i think they they did a really mm-hmm. good job of kind of translating some of the gauntlet challenge into this game that essentially is kind of a behind third-person Pac-Man when you really think about it. You're just going through a maze like Pac-Man, but instead of gathering dots, you're just running for monsters or attacking the monsters. But it, it feels more like that kind of maze than a uh, more involved wizardry maze. You, know, you don't make maps for this. You're just kind of fumbling through this maze that you know eventually if you head north or, I guess, into the screen eventually, you will find the way out. But you have to do that by getting through you know, a, a gauntlet of monsters. I actually, I, I really like that. I like that they did their own thing. I was worried at first that all of these Tiger games would be uh, really bad if they were based on an actual game property and really good, or, well, not really good, but better if they were based on a movie because then they could kind of do whatever they want. But but they showed with Gauntlet, they could do some interesting things if they took their time and thought about what are our limitations and how can we make a good game with it. Uh, you know, 
again, I don't think if you had a maze version on this on Game Boy, you'd say this was better than that. But compared to what the other games we've played so far, I was pleasantly surprised with Gauntlet. Um, Tiger was not the only company, like we mentioned earlier, that did these things. Uh, Konami mm-hmm. got in the action, too, about the same time. A lot of their properties they put out on little handhelds. Uh, Jeremy had picked Contra. Uh, those handhelds were, you know, the Tiger ones are more of a kind of a rectangle box with a kind of a, a, a bulge at the top for the screen, where the Konami ones look almost like big A's. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and they this it's a big triangle with kind of prongs at the end with the controllers, but generally it's the same thing: two discs or or a disc and some buttons for the action. And, and Contra, I was also pleasantly surprised. They didn't try to <laughs> drastically copy Contra. You weren't it wasn't like trying to play the first level where, you know, it ends with that that base and it was just really clunky. Instead, it all, almost feels like the uh, in the original Contra, I guess levels two and four, the ones where you're running through the 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 base it it doesn't play the same but it's kind of an isometric diagonal version of that idea yeah they went with the the perspective of this game was was uh, a, a huge surprise for me and yeah you're you're walking down these these corridors and i think in this one you have uh whereas in batman you had you know like two uh, let's say two lanes of enemies to deal with i believe this one might have four to it yeah that's four. um yeah and this was uh pretty damn good game it's it's if you sat me down with this and you said hey this is based on a video game property around this time i would be able to tell you it's contra i uh, this is contra through and through just kind of the uh, you got your your guy no shirt the bandana or the you know the fucking the gun no no limited ammo on this one fire away all right that's a a contra staple uh, and, and I think the, there's only a couple of enemies, but, uh, you know, you've got your, your aliens and you, you've got your soldiers on here and man, if, if just like gauntlet, I, I I'm fascinated by these games when they take a different perspective than just, just side scrolling along. And when they really try to make the most out of what they have and between gauntlet and, and contra, uh, these are uh, and yeah. Once gone, once Contra was out on the Game Boy, you didn't pick this thing up again. But up till then, I mean, I would have considered this to be a a pretty decent Contra experience, you know, for for handheld. And I I, I should mention that actually my first pick was uh, the Konami Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, a classic. Uh, but I guess we should mention uh, how we're actually having to play these because we're not just going on eBay and buying all these and spending actual money. Uh, you know, for the ones we owned, we did actually play, uh, but we have had to go through the Internet Archive. And if you're not aware, they have, I don't know, what, maybe like three dozen of these things yeah. or, or more that you can just go on there and, and they'll load up an actual emulator on the website and you can play these things. And so that's what we did. But unfortunately, uh, Turtles wasn't on as one of the it wasn't one of the selections that you could play. But Contra was there, and I did own Contra. Uh, and yes, this is totally one of those games that kind of works with that old uh, Game & Watch style of multiple lanes. And I think that works very well for these, mm-hmm. especially when you add in that kind of 3D uh, perspective that this game has. It's like you're going down this long cave or an alien cave, and these things um, will jump up at certain parts uh, in, points in that cave. And you have to you know, go back and forth to the different lanes that you're in to take them out. And that's, I, I think that's when these games are kind of best. You know, it, it's definitely, you know, Gauntlet is amazing, but how many games are, are crazy enough to, to do that well? 
Yeah. Uh, but for something like this in Batman, where it is just those lanes that you can kind of go back and forth to, I think it works really well. And mm-hmm. I think Contra is one of the best that, uh, that you could probably play. Also, I think Konami was just really good at making these kinds of games for some reason. Like the Turtles one was just insane. It mm-hmm. had like multiple levels, including one that was an underwater level. I would have loved to have talked about that one, but it just wasn't there. That one, was, I played that game so much, and it was done really well for, for a game that was just, you know, kind of like Gauntlet. Uh, mm-hmm. But Contra is dead simple, and, and I it's, it's still really fun just, you know, being that simple. And I, I think we also need to add that the Konami games that are handhelds, because they weren't the Tiger handheld box, they weren't the Tiger handheld shape, they have a better sound quality. So even though it's still a bunch of beeps, they actually were able to take... Uh, and and make that Contra game have some recognizable themes, which was mm-hmm. kind of a shock. So this brings us to the actual reason we've been talking for about 50 minutes about Tiger handhelds. Billy, the game you mentioned that you yeah. played as a kid and really wanted to just talk about, and maybe you were joking, but hey, guess what? We followed through with it. Uh, the MC Hammer game by Tiger uh, is, I'm going to be honest with you, in Enigma. I do not understand <laughs> what the point of this game is. I don't understand why someone would have thought, MC Hammer, we need to make a game where you do a dance-off against MC Hammer. And I-, I tried to play this game. I tried to put time into it. It was by far the most confusing Tiger handheld or any handheld game I've ever played. And, huh. you know, we mentioned the music to Contra actually sounding like Contra. The music to this sounds Holy like shit. hell. It sounds like if you were in a car with somebody who was playing this game, after about five minutes, if my dad, if we would have like on a road trip, stop somewhere, I pick up the MC Hammer game because I love You Can't Touch This. And all of a sudden we're in the car and my dad just hears the sound this game has. After about maybe, maybe five minutes, he would have stopped the car, walked calmly to the back seat taken it from my hands thrown it out the window and we would have driven off i it is it is by far i don't want to say it's a it's the worst game we've covered because it's definitely the most interesting but it is arguably not a game it's something it maybe that's it is something i don't remember the sound being an issue when i was a kid but fuck all i could only play this a few minutes at a time because it started to to really get to me um which is so strange because it's fucking it's mc hammer and i don't think this is bait i mean it's like a three second loop but i don't think it's based on any songs of his it is uh i, I couldn't tell you anything i make no apologies though uh this game i think and i knew what i had back then even when i got it i i knew i had something that probably shouldn't be uh something had fallen into my hands that had no right to exist. Uh, but I love this damn thing. And I played this at length uh, often. Uh, this was like my got on the bus in the morning, pulled this out of my backpack, played it. And uh, I mean, shit is the eighties. It was damn hammer. Kids were gathered around. Everybody on the bus had a run at this thing. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's just one of those. There, there's a few modes in it. I mean, there's practice. They try to sell that as a individual mode. It's, it's just practice for the main uh, crux of the game, which is a not even really a dance off. Uh, pretty much, you are on the screen, uh, and and Hammer is also Hammer will do 
a, a series of moves, and then it's your turn to replicate those to the best of your ability. Okay, and okay. you're then you're then uh, judged in the form of the the score you receive. You receive a, a high enough score, you go on to the next round, uh, and essentially it's like a, it's like a game of Simon almost. If Simon had instead of four little buttons, Simon had the most convoluted control scheme of all. Um, yeah, it just it gets the the routines get a little bit longer. Uh, they get more involved. It's pretty much a memory game at it, at its core. Uh, I can't call it a rhythm game because I found that I actually was able to concentrate a little better when I turned the fucking sound off. Um, but yeah, it's it's basically a a memory type game, uh, and you just there are fifteen levels, and there, there's a passing score uh, which is a hundred or hundred and fifty or so, I believe, to to advance, uh, and. And then the the other mode is just a freestyle. Um, just a, you are there, you do a bunch of moves for several seconds, and they give you a score based on something. I, I wish I knew what the scoring algorithms were for this game, but I find you can tap any uh, series of buttons, and, and you'll get a pretty decent score. Um, but yeah, the control for this thing. All right, it is not laid out like your traditional game. Uh, whereas usually you have a, a D-pad on these and, and you know, some some direction buttons and a, one or two action buttons. This one is, is laid out in that one side of the controller are exclusively controlling your arms. And the other are legs. Oh, it's and, so bad. Hmm? It's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> it's not good. This is <laughs> like, like fucking fire emblem on a switch is less complicated than this game is because like it so okay you've got your arms these are the control I'm, I've, i have it actually pulled up here yeah you need to understand that this is for a tiger electronics game too yeah so here we go arms arm up arm down arm splits left arm splits right mm-hmm. move over to your legs leg leaps up it also doubles for jump leg leaps down leg footwork left and leg footwork right this is all in the tiniest little thing that I have never seen anything so just ridiculously complicated for a memory. It's yes, it's a memory game, but holy shit. Like this is, <laughs> you could have done this with maybe one of those and, and then just like uh, put something else as like a single button, but having them all on this thing, like I only played it for, you know, what, five minutes because I couldn't memorize the controls on this thing because I'm playing it on a keyboard and like I K J L E D S F are the ones that you have to memorize. It's not like I'm hitting a control pad and maybe that would work better. Uh, You know, obviously it would because I just could not commit my memory to all of the different buttons that I had to hit on the keyboard to, to memorize what hammer was doing. But yeah, this, this seems like overly complicated in a way that I would have never imagined any tiger electronics game coming close to it's a deep game it's deep uh yeah i had to i was playing this on the computer i had to pull up the instructions on the phone and kind of prop it up next to the computer the entire time i i I will say it kind of came back to me as we went um it it, the buttons don't quite do what they say i I would say um yeah like turn into the side uh, you need to pick the leg. Uh, you need to hit the button for the leg first, and then the other button to turn. Uh, 
jumping in. Uh, yeah, and and they level one, they require you to pull off. It, it, you would think the first level would be just simple, like uh, raise your arm, raise the other arm, jump. No, he's pulling off some, you know, jump in the air, throw your right arm out, uh, turn to the side, you know, the footwork. It, it's uh, no mercy on this thing. And, and the instruction book does a good job of, uh, well, I don't know if it does a good job. I mean, later on in the book, it, it pretty much shows you the moves and what you need to hit. Uh, but I would say it is nothing short of intimidating once you see it. Once, Especially the, the side footwork. If anyone uh, is tempted to pull up the instruction booklet for the MC Hammer uh, Tiger LCD game, Look on, uh, look on page four, the side footwork, the sequence that you have to key in for this thing. And it, it's fucking crazy. Um, I don't know how I became pretty decent at this as a kid. Uh, I, I was able, I made it up to level four this time, four out of 15. Um, but yeah, it, it just got to the point to where I couldn't keep up with it. Uh, the the movements required. I'm I'm awful at memory games anyhow, and I uh, I'll, hey, I'll fall on this sword. I will. Uh, I, I we have fallen on our share of swords. I'll fall on this one. I just I I love this damn game. I couldn't tell you why, and especially I can't offer you an explanation <laughs> worthy. Of, of the confusion you're, you're certainly feeling now having played it yourselves. Uh, it was just the right time. It was the right time. It was the right place. It was the right environment. I, you get a bunch of cheering kids on a bus playing this thing, passing this thing around. Uh, that's a good time. I uh, sitting here 30 something playing on a computer. Uh, not so much. I mean, I guess you just had to be there. This one actually has my favorite review on uh, internet archive because you can oh, actually yeah? review these games. Uh, and this guy, uh, the second review on here gives it three stars. And he says, I don't understand this game at all, even after reading the manual. But this is just the type of thing that I will spend hours on. I'm hey, so glad this is archived. And that's it. You can't say it any better than that. Uh, you either play this because uh, you want to get better at it or at the very you just want to understand it. You want to come to some kind of understanding so you can lay your head down on your pillow at night. And, and just not be baffled and perplexed as to why this was put out in, in this form. How did you end up with this? Like, did you go in specifically wanting to get this? Or was this just like, oh, damn. I'll, I will tell you how I got most of my Tiger games. The, the at Rose's department store, um, which is worth mentioning. This Rose's that I went to as a child, still open. That's still one of open. two. There's one in Ocean City, Maryland as well. That's, that's the two you left alive. The ceiling collapsed, and I thought they were done. They rebuilt. No clue why. Um, but yeah, in the uh, like right in the aisles where you check out, you know where the bubble gum is, the candy's at, you know, little things like you know cigarette lighters, all the all the little gimmicks they try to try to get you on at the last minute that you may have forgotten while you're shopping. They would have hanging up there. They would have you know no, about you know nine or ten tiger lcd games and that is where i probably purchased 80 percent of mine because they were there was always something new and you know and we talked about right at the beginning just the, the packaging of these the the artwork on it a lot they were just so attractive a lot of them were and i mean at this time 
MC Hammer? Come on. And there he was. I, it's it's two images of MC Hammer, both mid-dance, with what I think might be, almost looks like American flag, not quite. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I, you couldn't turn this down. So, no, I mean, Tiger games, they, they weren't like, you know, the, the console games where you kind of knew when they were coming out. You know, usually you knew the quarter that they were going to hit. No, these, you didn't know they existed until you laid eyes on them. And this was a, an instant purchase. Got this thing home. And I don't remember ever having a period of time where I was displeased with having picked it up. I, I think this was one of those where I was just so caught. I mean, and that has to be the people they were, were preying on, people that were caught up in the, the MC Hammer hi- hype that would not question this at all and would love it just because of the, the license. Yeah, I'd be more inclined to buy an MC Hammer game today than I would have when it was current. So I, I but only because I was like, I can't believe this exists. I'd have to, yeah. I'd have to share yes. everybody. Started a big argument in school because uh, your your character on here uh, looks like an average white fellow by any by any stretch. Uh, rumor around school, popular rumor was that it was a dig at Vanilla Ice. Yeah, that I, was Vanilla Ice. I bet was the character you were playing as. I could fully believe that actually was a dig at Vanilla Ice. But I can't believe it. I'm, I'm glad you guys. It only took a hundred episodes. It took four years. I got you guys to play this thing. I, I'll. <laughs> I've got another hundred episodes to find something of equal value to this. Well, I think you may already have mentioned it before. And if, if we have access to it, I think we may have found our episode 200 topic. Uh, Tiger Electronics, after, you know, the, the, the burst of the early 90s when these things sold everywhere uh, in late 80s when, you know, up until Game Boy hit. And then even then it was a kind of a long, a long decline of when they were out. Uh, they really didn't mm-hmm. do a lot more, but they tried after uh, right around the same time the Virtual Boy was going to come out, because everyone assumed that was going to be a massive hit. Nintendo's putting out a 3D, you know, handheld system. They put out their own 3D handheld system called R-Zone. And I know you, at one point, either owned or had pretty, you know, pretty good access to an R-Zone. I I was, I I think I told this tale many episodes ago that my uncle, uh, the same one of Super Black Bass fame, came into some money and and bought each one of the kids uh, in our zone and i had the fighting game for it oh my head sweat I, I it had that thing like right when you put it around your head everywhere it makes contact with you with your head you're sweating instantly and oh i i can feel it right now and this god if this is episode 200 i if if we go on down the line and it still seems like that's the way we're going I will personally purchase an R zone either for each of us or, or we'll pass that thing around in the damn mail. I, I, that's probably where we have 200 episodes to figure out we have four years to figure out how we're going to make that work. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you're the only person I've ever met that's even touched an R zone. So uh, yeah, that was, their- I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty much the tiger. The t- I mean, it's LCD uh, except it's very weakly projected in front there's no 3d aspect to this at all uh, mind you this was modeled after after uh, virtual reality uh, it's not it's pretty much a, a tiger game uh turn everything to you know pretty much red and just stick it right in front of your face and, and you've got the r zone um i've only played the fighting game though so i, I know 
it didn't have the the largest library, but it, it did have a handful of games. Um, but yeah, I got the fighting one. It's one of those I sat with at home and tried to make myself enjoy it, but but even I couldn't even do that. The person that poured hours upon hours and MC Hammer Tiger LCD could not even uh, make themselves enjoy the R Zone. Well, and you weren't the only one. The R Zone did not do well. Uh, Tiger stopped making handheld games because people stopped buying them. And they actually are now owned by Hasbro. They were a, uh, apparently a big part of the Furby craze. Uh, and that's what they're being used for mainly now is, is things along those lines. And kids' toys that have electronic components that, I guess, learn or whatever it is that Furbies do. So they're still around, but you're not going to find handheld versions of, you know, Dark Souls. Although, if there was one, mm-hmm. I probably would be the only person who owned that. Uh, but so, yeah, <laughs> it took 100 episodes. We've now talked about Tiger Handhelds. We've talked about the MC Hammer game and have all played it. And now we never have to do those things again. Oh, thank God. Yo, I told you, you can't touch this. Why you standing there, man? You can't touch this. Yo, sound the bell. School is in, sucker. You can't touch this. So as it's our 100th episode, uh, we do have some listener questions. But first, uh, kind of an announcement. We had discussed this uh Ahead of time, but figured it was worth passing on now. For the first 100 shows, our rule was, you know, it had to be 32-bit uh, or or previous. So we went up to the PlayStation uh, and Saturn and, in, in theory, some other systems we never really got to cover, like the, the Jaguar. But, and that was 64-bit in theory. Doesn't matter. Point was that, that time frame, whatever generation that is, I'm not good at keeping track of that, was where we stopped. Uh, we've decided for some specific games, you know, we're not going to do it a lot, but we will increase this up to the PS2, Dreamcast, GameCube, and Game Boy Advance uh, so that we have a few more things to choose from. Uh, I'm actually more more excited for the purpose of, of Halloween and horror games. We were kind of hit the end of that well. So we now have a whole mm-hmm. other set of systems to, buy, to find games for. And our next episode will be uh, a Dreamcast game, uh, which we've wanted to talk about for a while. And, and the kind of game we have not done, I think, on this podcast previously. So that'll be exciting. So yeah, starting now, I mean, we're still going to focus on older systems. But we can now feel a little less guilty about going into the uh, the PS2 era of, uh, of games, which should, again, open up a, a few more doors for us. But let's go ahead straight to mail we get from our listeners that probably filled out our question form that's available on Retromania.net. Uh, they did. And, you know, it's it's been a long time. Like, we've been doing this for a while. This is this is 100 episodes. Uh, you know, we've, we've had uh, very important questions asked, like, uh, what that mouth do? And, yeah, someone asked and, what we thought of P. That was always very yeah, important. Do you like P? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the important questions. And uh, for those 100 episodes, uh, thank you all for writing in and asking us really stupid questions. We do appreciate and, and generally read every single question. Uh, you know, if, if you don't think so, then yes, we we answered a question about say, if somebody, uh, do we like P? Uh, but generally, uh, we, we do enjoy uh, when you write in and ask us questions that we can actually answer and, and not have to question, you know why we live so uh this this week we're going to start off with um david play please play fact sanity voice and uh his subject is actually uh <laughs> tiger L- <laughs> memories uh so we're gonna hey some memories about the uh we did actually i think we asked uh, last episode if you could write in uh, about some of your memories um you know with tiger electronics and stuff like that so uh Okay, so not much of a question, but I and my friends used to trade lunch in elementary school for these things. Sometimes we would trade lunch for multiple days to get the highly sought-after ones such as X-Men and Power Rangers, Castlevania 2. And my personal favorite at the time, Ninja Gaiden 2. 
All I can remember about Ninja Gaiden 2 is, is that you can jump from the left side to a platform in the middle of the screen and then down to the right and then back again, all while hearing a very cartoony boing, 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 boing nonstop, which must have driven my parents nuts. I only got to the end once where a very garbled voice told me when you'd strike against the boss. I was so confused and stunned by that haunting voice that I got hosed immediately <laughs> and was never able to go back and get to the boss ever again. Maybe I'll torture myself and try it on. Maybe I'll torture myself and try it again on an emulator. Okay, bye. Yeah. Oh man, we didn't talk. We didn't have any that had an instance of having a voice to them, but that was hot shit. When you got one of those and it actually said something, yeah, uh, it, it was every bit up there with when I played Double Dribble on the NES, and that guy in his tin can yells out Double Dribble. Yeah, this uh, I can understand the thrill of when you have one of these that actually talked. I, I, I would be shocked too. I mean, that, <laughs> I, I never had one that actually spoke to me. I, I can't even imagine what these things sound like, you know, considering the quality that they are. I can't imagine what the sound quality as far as the voice is in one of these things. Yeah, we we didn't cover any of them that had speech. I don't know if any of the ones on that emulator site did or the, or the archive site did. But the Snake's Revenge, they did a, a portal version of the uh, US-only Metal Gear uh, sequel and I that had speech I wanted to cover that to see what it was like but it wasn't there which is a real shame but yeah anything that had speech was a big deal even though the speech always sounded like yeah now it all but it was still amazing and uh, yeah I could see how that would make a, a notable version in a game all right thank you David for writing in uh yes uh I'm, I'm sure multiple people have memories of of doing weird shit for Tiger Electronics games in school uh, I know I <laughs> I definitely used to, you know, trade. Don't take a turn. Well, I mean, that's just how it was back in the day. I mean, you had to do certain things to to play Ninja Gaiden too. So, uh, you know, what what whatever you got to do. Uh, anyway, this, this, this further this further answers the what that math do question. Yes, this is it. This is, <laughs> this is why we get asked this all the time. Somebody knows what what that mouth did, and they keep asking us over and over. Uh, anyway, our next question comes in uh, from Kyle Cubic. And uh, he writes in to say, hey, all, congratulations on 100 episodes. I'd like to know what your video game related regrets are as this. And this is a twofold question. Which game or console did you have the most regret buying and why? And which game or console did you have the most regret selling and why? Thanks and well wishes for the next 100 episodes. You know, this uh, uh, this question has come up. It's come up a few times. It's always very well spaced out, though. Uh, and I, I'm always happy when this one pops up because every every time you answer it, you're like, oh, fuck, I forgot to mention this. And there's there's always another one because uh, if, if you're like me, I mean, your life is full of regrets and, and that you can look back upon, um, especially when it comes to video games. Uh, it made a lot of uh, awful purchases. And I in the past, I've talked about Predator on the NES, uh, several other ones along the way so i figured this time i was gonna i was gonna abandon a regrettable game and, and i was gonna talk about a regrettable console and, and the uh, you know i only have one and, and that has to be the master system i had you know i had my nes and my my sega master system and it just seemed like uh i got the master system after the nes which was probably my downfall because uh, there was very little on there that could even touch 
what the NES was putting out. And it just seemed like every game I got for it was just a, a, just a downer, uh, just a shame. Uh, I had Rambo on there, which, which was a good one on the Master System. Uh, they had a far superior Rambo game to the NES. Uh, but I mean, I had the, the, I had it on Genesis also eventually, but I had the, the master system altered beast, uh, Alex kid, which we've, we've discussed that I had a, there was a horrible tennis game. I had horrible football game. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I had that Rocky boxing game, which wasn't any good either. It just seemed like every game I picked up for, which was, you know, uh, Basically, every game I saw in the store, we, my area did not have a lot of, of games for that system out and about. So, I mean, to get one of those was, was kind of an occasion. And, and I was always hopeful when I got home and mm, all for nothing. And yeah, main problem with that was I uh, was mainly a Nintendo Power Reader. Obviously, they were not covering these. And uh, so a lot of these master system purchases were were blind, and boy, I sure paid for them for most of them. Uh, I, I can't say that I played a lot of that console. Uh, it was mostly me trying games here and there. Uh, half the games I would end up selling to to an older cousin who had a master system and just that system, and you know, and and I guess enjoyed it because he, he would buy whatever I, I tried to push off on him. Maybe he felt bad for me. Um, the second part of it, what I regret selling, I pretty compulsively collect uh, things. Uh, video games are one of them. I can't say I have ever sold a particular uh, game or console. If I sold a game, it's because I, I outright did not care for it. Uh, as far as consoles go, I still have them all. I, I'm, I'm I still have them well maintained. Uh, they we I rotate them through every now and then. Uh, yeah, I, I, no regrettable things I, I got rid of because I have hoarded it all. Well, I can't believe you listed the Sega Master System as a disappointing console. Uh, well, I mean, it, it is. It admittedly was not as good as the Nintendo. If you had to pick one of the two, I mean, there. Well, that, that's what that's, that's the problem. I mean, I was I was well into the Nintendo uh, when this thing came around so i that was maybe if i went in the other way uh but i mean but having said i mean i'm sitting there i'm playing fucking mario i'm playing mega man and now i got alex kid uh, it it didn't stack up well and, and you know you mentioned their altered beast port a lot of their arcade yes. ports were garbage uh, i mean some were good yeah. some were garbage but they did have some you know there was fantasy star and and they had a handful of games that mm-hmm. really were interesting i mean we covered golden axe warrior Shoot, probably three years ago. Uh, again, it was a clone mm. of Zelda, but a good one. I mean, they had some some solid games, yeah. but um, I, I guess I can't argue too hard if you're going to talk in you know black and white versus Nintendo versus Sega Master System. Uh, you know, that probably was a little disappointing. Uh, so I've mentioned several times uh, as far as my worst sale. Uh, you know, I, I sold a box of Sega CD games, like all the ones you'd want. I, I sold Lunar One and Two, and I sold. <laughs> Popful mail and a, a copy of Snatcher complete. Uh, I mean, uh, all what about the games. Slam City with Scotty Pippen. I, I did not have Slam City. I also did not have the Crisscross game. I just had the ones I wanted, but I was—I don't know what I was thinking. Well, I know what I was thinking. I—I uh, I was running some money problems when I was way younger, and I found some guy that wanted to buy him, and I sold him the entire box for 
I want to say 80 bucks. And now, like, a mm. copy of Snatcher that's complete is going to get you several hundred bucks on eBay, even if it's messed up. I mean, <laughs> I, I regret that, not because I want to sell them now, but because I actually wish I had all these games still. Um, you know, mm-hmm. that's okay. I, I've talked about that before, but, you know, things happen. I've sold a lot of things uh, since then uh, when I lost my job. after I, Right after I had my first son, I was like, ah, oh, I lost my job, and then I got paranoid. So I sold a lot of stuff, but I don't regret any of those. I needed... I needed to sell them, and I sold them all on eBay and made a good amount of money off of them. So I, you know, mm-hmm. I, do I wish I didn't? Sure, but uh, you know, I would have been homeless living in a car, so I, I had no choices. the The most, the system I regret the most, which I'm actually going to tie to the thing I regret selling because I sold it back to the store, uh, was that Virtual Boy. I regretted buying it. <laughs> I picked it up when it was new. I had actually gotten it when it was on clearance, but it was still, uh, you know, brand new. I got it with Teleroboxer. It came with tennis, I want to say, and I got Mario Clash. And I took it home, Ooh. and it does. It gives you, it gave me at least, and a lot of people, a headache when you use it for more than about five minutes. You know, you have the screen right in front of your face. It does do a, a, a version of 3D that's better than what the 3DS does. But, you know, the, the, the downside is it's only red and black, and that it causes your head to split in half. But I, I you know, I played Teleroboxer. I thought it was kind of neat, and I, I liked the the idea of the system, but I was like, this isn't worth what I paid for, even though I got it for, I think, 50 bucks. I traded it all by, you know, I turned it all for full value the next day and was like, I can't, I can't play this thing. But if I had that now and I could have bought the other games that were out just because they all went down to five to 10 bucks at the end, that would be like the gem of my collection right now. (laughs) And I don't have it. And I do regret that as far as as things I sold back to a store uh, that that's got to be number one. But yeah, the Sega CD games that I sold uh, out of desperation, biggest regret, but at the same time, uh, I was in a bad place. I needed, I needed that money. Uh, I, since Kyle didn't mention that this was uh, retro only, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, the the console at, of all time that I regret buying is the Nintendo Wii. I have had mm. less fun with the Nintendo Wii than I ever did with literally any other console I've ever owned, including the Panasonic 3DO. Man. I I cannot. I hated that system. But you know, the, you definitely had that that first couple of weeks where it was like Wii Sports, and it was like this is amazing. Like this is the most amazing thing I've ever played. And, and being able to play with your family members and and everybody was just amazed by that. Like that was awesome. And then reality set in, and that was that everything that was going to come out was going to be motion controls, and I hate motion controls. I hate waggling anything. I hate turning thing like the controller around i just want to use buttons that's literally all i want to do and like the fact that it was like get up move around you know jump over the couch do some crazy shit i didn't want to do that i that nothing is that is like the last thing i want to do after i get home from work and i i just want to sit down put a controller on my lap and press buttons especially like that that zelda that came out on there that was uh not the first one that that was on there uh but the second one Skyward sword. skyward sword yeah. yes where it was like super do the sword do the sword just do the sword and it's like i don't fucking want to do this and it doesn't fucking work half the time that you do it it was just the worst experience and like that that whole system besides a couple of games on there i, I maybe i i think i have like a top five games that i can like play on that system and actually enjoy and everything else is just a fucking mess um that i i, I never want to play again uh, but besides that, uh, what I re- regret selling the most, uh, I had a almost complete Dreamcast collection of games that I sold, and I don't think I sold it for more than three hundred dollars. That was uh, I, I, we're talking some fucking deep cut rare shit. 
that I pr- probably could have sold by themselves for around like a hundred or 150 by themselves. And I didn't because I needed that money. And I think that's, we've talked about it before. When you need that money, you need that money uh, if for rent to survive or whatever. You can't just tell everybody, well, you know, I, I need rent, but I really don't want to sell these video games that I've got. And, you know, everybody just looks at you like you're a crazy person. So you got to sell that stuff when you can to get the money to survive. And that's totally what I did. And I regret it to this day because it was an amazing collection. And I never want to get it back again because it costs way too much money now. Uh, but yes, that, that was mine. Uh, so thank you. Yes, uh, Kyle, uh, for writing in. Uh, and uh, next one, we're going to get dressed down, boys. Are you ready? Oh, all right. So this one comes in from Lance Wright, and this one is about the virtual console. Hello, Retrovaniacs. I'm hoping this email gets on your 100th episode, or I'm going to feel really dumb congratulating you on your 100th episode in this email. <laughs> well done. Anyway, well done. <laughs> anyway, on what I think was your most recent bonus episode, which was Vice Project Doom, you gave the Switch monthly NES library a mostly passing grade, and I couldn't disagree more. Even calling this collection average would be giving Nintendo way too much credit. Let me give you the current rundown of what Nintendo has gifted to us after one year of, of this sham going live. If you just count each game on their own, as in scrolling through the boxes, we have 63 total games. That's not too bad. That's not too bad sounding on the surface, right? But once you take away the 13 special edition versions, you're left with 50 real games, with 30 of those being basic sports titles or pretty bad editions like this month's Kung Fu Heroes. This leaves us with just a handful of what I would call games that I'd actually want to play. And that is, and that's pretty embarrassing when we used to have the godly virtual console on the Wii. I think it's time we call this service for what it is, guys. Nintendo doing the least it can possibly do for a monthly service. Anyway, thanks for letting me vent. I do want to say that I did actually enjoy Vice Project Doom, but these seem few and far between. Oh, hey, and congratulations on your 100th episode that I'm hopefully in. Well, thank you. We're, we're glad we could do 100 episodes mm-hmm. so you could have that question. I, I don't disagree. I mean, we... We talked about it that it has been kind of slow and they aren't they aren't putting out enough things. I guess I put it into the context of for the the virtual console before on the Wii, for example, you're paying five dollars a game, and that's that's fine because you get to get a better selection of games. Then you had Turbo Graphics games, you had some some Master System games even on there. Plenty of games you could go from. Where this is literally just Nintendo, uh, the original Nintendo, nothing else. It's two games a month, uh, along with some of these special editions, which I don't count, and. and eh. The selection is pretty poor. That said, I think everyone paid, what, $20 for the first year of this service? I don't know if... I mean, I didn't buy this this service because I got to play NES games. I consider them a bonus, uh, although I don't know what I am using it for since I'm not playing Smash Online. I guess Tetris, every month they have that challenge. I play a lot of that. Mm. Uh, I would have bought it anyway. It's $20 for an annual service. Uh, but yes, I mean, on its own, if you would have paid for this even $20 a year... Uh, what they're giving you is not uh, not great. They they are doing the least they can with what they have. I, I'm not quite sure why. There've already been people that have data mined their Super Nintendo stuff on the way. Why is that still not out? I, I have no idea. So you're you're not wrong, um, you know. But I I also don't want to just have an episode every two weeks where we just shit all over everything. So <laughs> so I I guess it, yes, you're right. It's not a very good service. That said, Vice Project Doom was pretty great, and I'm glad we could play it. And I I, I paid twenty dollars a year just so I could play Mario Kart online, basically. So I, I guess when you're looking at it from that view, when you were pay, when uh, I think if you're like me and you're just basically paying, you know, just to, for the because I do play a lot of Mario Kart, Smash and whatnot. Uh, when you're paying just for that, um, 
you don't really look at it the same way, I guess. Yes, if I was paying because there was supposed to be this awesome virtual console, then yeah, I think I would I would probably be a, a, you know, a little more testy about it. Um, but I'm you know I'm getting my money's worth out of it for what I was paying for. Uh, that being said, yeah, I, I think if you really look at it, it is it's it's kind of frustrating knowing what they. I mean, it, it's nothing for them. I, it can't be any amount of uh, effort to to throw throw games on there. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of what are they dragging their feet for thing? And even after, I mean, is putting Super Nintendo on there is that is that all of a sudden gonna make it better? I mean, I, I mean, let's let's be honest. Well, they're probably going to do one NES game, one Super Nintendo game a month from there on something like that um i mean i don't think i'll be as satisfied with the virtual console as i as i would be that 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 first go around uh you know where you had turbo graphics you, you had a little bit of everything and it's it's all paled in comparison since then uh that being said yeah if i paid if i paid my money just because i was excited about dipping into that library of games they put out yeah i would be upset but uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I get my money's worth out of it for what I what I picked it up for. Um, so it's it's a matter of viewpoints, I guess. But yeah, I can see why someone would lodge a, a a major complaint about it. I mean, I guess would we prefer the virtual console at this point? Like, if they could just do away with this, and this wasn't a thing that was actually part of the online subscription, would we want like a virtual console back? See, this is the uh, yes and no. Yes, if I knew ahead of time, oh, these these games are all coming and I could try them on, you know, it, uh, via other methods of questionable legality and then I could decide the ones I want to buy. Sure. This means I can try everything. If I want to try Kung Fu Heroes, which I did and decided this wasn't very fun, I can do it without paying $5. That was my mm-hmm. only concern before the virtual console is if I wanted to try a game and I wasn't going to hunt down the ROM or, you know, whatever... I had to pay for it. So this is nice. You don't have to pay extra, but you're right. The selection is, is a little poor. I, I think I would rather go to a, uh, the old virtual console style. Also, that means that we could have N64. We could have, you know, a, a lot more variety than what's there now. Yeah, I think I, I, I would agree. I, I wish there was more to this one. And, and I do wish that we would just kind of move on to the Super Nintendo because I, I would absolutely find far more enjoyment out of the, out of the uh, online thing if we just had some of those games, like Nintendo games for me are fun and, and I've got some nostalgia for that stuff, but super NES is that system for me. And like, I would play that stuff regardless, you know, it would just be so much more fun to me to, to have those games, just even Nintendo stuff, like super Mario world, super Metroid, stuff like that. But you, you know, a big, I think my big trouble would be, you know, when super Nintendo hits, it's going to be those games that are on the, the, SNES classic that they put out that I have freshly played. Um, I think that's the only trouble. I, I think they are probably just going to, those games are going to be the first ones to get cranked out. And and for me personally, I've played all those recently. I mean, when it came out, I, I kind of went through and played all the ones I was, was interested in. Uh, I, I think really those, that, that classic may have put a little damper on things. Yeah, I could see that. I and still, it, for me, the value would be just to, they're already on my switch and I wouldn't have to plug that. Yeah. Uh, and, and toting the thing around. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's a big plus. So really, I, yes, uh, uh, Lance, 
it's just kind of a catch-22. I mean, uh, we could have what we've got, because obviously Nintendo isn't going to put much more effort into it than what they're already doing. Or we could go back to the way it was, which was just spending way too much money on these old games uh, that you may not actually even own in a few years, depending on what Nintendo wants to do with the next console, uh, which, you know, I lost probably about $100 worth of virtual console games that I can no longer play. So at least I'm not paying for these except uh, for a monthly fee that does other things than just give me old NES games. Uh, But anyway, moving on to our last question. This comes from Mike Farrell, and it's about custom game rules. And uh, he writes in to say, uh, my brother and I played a ton of Super Mario Kart back in the day. And after getting good enough to achieve gold on every cup, we started sinking in a lot of time into battle mode. After a while, we ended up coming up with custom rules for each of the maps, giving the experience more of a structure and making it more fun. We ended up spreading these rules around to the other kids in the neighborhood. And once they caught on, it got really competitive. So my question is, has there ever been a game in which you've made your own custom rules or modes that wasn't designed as such, like Halo's Forge, to enhance the game? I, I, I guess, yeah, we we had. We did that a lot. And and it seemed like a thing we did mostly with sports games uh, for, for whatever reason. And, and it goes beyond, uh, you know, like uh, you always hear people when it comes to Tecmo Super Bowl not allowing... Bo Jackson used. It goes beyond things like disallowing certain characters and all. And and we did have, we got to the point in that the very same game, that Super Nintendo Mario Kart, uh, where we would just play the thing all the time. And we eventually would would have an honor system in which we would we would race without using items. And, and that became the thing. Like we against each other, hardly ever. Uh, items were not allowed for the most part. Um and just little just little tweaks like that, more than complete rule sets. Uh, it got to the point in NBA Jam where we would play a game with, with no dunking in it. it. It was just shooting only, which later progressed to just three-point shots only. And it would eventually break down to half-court shots only, um, which, which did not make for high-scoring affairs. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that at a point in time, if you love a game enough you're still going to get tired of it eventually. And if it's a game that allows you to kind of have input in what you're doing, uh, you know, and I think that's mainly why it was sports games. Uh, you sit down and play a lot of a lot of other games, and they're pretty linear in how you go about doing things, and there's not much you can do to kind of change things up. Um, but yeah, I, I think sports games were perfect for it. We always just kind of made up little, little rules or, or, or whatnot here and there to kind of i mean especially when you weren't buying games all the time you had to you had to stretch out what you had i don't think we had anything that was that defined where it'd be oh you know play mario kart with no items or anything uh, i remember there mm-hmm. was a lot of of games where we'd say oh, you can't use this weapon or you can't use you know like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. in, uh, in goldeneye you couldn't use odd job like the shorter guy whoever it was it was like no yes. that's cheating you can't use that like i remember lots of those little things here and there uh or or in uh we didn't play a lot of sports games but there were games where uh you know, a certain team was overpowered and you wouldn't be allowed to use those. Nothing, nothing other than that. But I would say that we would we would try to take the games and make them so they were harder or more interesting multiplayer, uh, specifically Goldeneye or, or Mario Kart. We would actually get splitters on the system and get two TVs, face them back to back so you couldn't see the other oh. person and put cardboard over parts of the screen. So other than, you know, if you had a radar or something, you could see stuff. But otherwise, you couldn't yeah. see people. Uh, I mean, it was it was tough. It was it was harder than trying to get like a land party together. But at the same time, like once you finally had that set up, there were there would be nights where we would play 
I mean, because in Goldeneye, especially if you know the levels really well, which after a while there's only six or something, you know all of them, you could see just based on where someone is, unless they're intentionally like standing in the corner looking down where they were hiding. Mm. It was better to have no idea. So we took the extra step to make these multiplayer games, you know, essentially link cable games, but <laughs> but in the crudest way possible. Uh, we did a lot of that when we could, which was not that often, but when we did, it was like, that's it. This is our plan for the whole weekend. We aren't setting this up again. This is what we're doing. Yeah, I was actually going to mention that I, I did the exact same thing with my cousin with a golden eye and, you know, having the cardboard splitter in the middle of the TV. And <laughs> that's really awkward to play. You know, one person's got to kind of lay on the floor and, and, you know, and see kind of that. And the other person kind of has to, you know, sit over the top of that. It's oh, shit, you did it on one TV with a cardboard. Yeah, yeah, I had nice. to do it on one TV. <laughs> Holy no, shit. we got we got cable splitters so that the feed from the N64 went into two televisions, and we would oh, block God, up no, the, pa- no. the panels on one TV or the other. Uh, we, we literally had the one TV, and I got a, a cardboard box and made sure that, you know, I could cut it. I had to cut it at, at the exact height. <laughs> That's awesome. And so they could split that off. And my cousin, since he was smaller, he had to lay on the bottom. He had to, like, go up underneath the, the cardboard box. And, and play the game uh, down there. And I had to kind of sit on the bed above and see, you know, what I could see. So that's that's kind of how we had to do it. Uh, you know, that's that's more of a custom way of playing the game than rules. Um, but really, uh, I think for me, it was always fighting games. Uh, you know, we had to come up with custom rules uh, for me and my friends to, to play these because back in the day, there wasn't official rules or anything like that. You could instantly tell if somebody was way overpowered or they had a move that you know, wasn't really fit for the game or wasn't fair for the game. So you could be like, all right, you can't use this move or you're disqualified. You can't play this character because he's way too powerful. Uh, something like that, you know. And and we also had, like, special rule sets. Uh, I remember at, at some points we had tournaments where we could only play, like, uh, the same characters, like shadow matches, basically. Um, really, it, it was all fighting games for me because otherwise I, I didn't really play too many games that, that really needed special rules. And it really seemed to come down to competitive games that that needed those. Uh, but I definitely, uh, you know, the idea of coming up with your own rules to kind of make something play different, I think that's pretty cool. Like, if that's mm-hmm. what you did and what you're talking about in the email. Uh, so that, that actually changed the game a little bit instead of just being like, all right, don't play this because you're an asshole. Uh, but do this because this actually changes the game up and, and makes it kind of different to play. I think that's actually cool, but I, I never quite had the imagination to do that one on my own. So thank you for sending those emails in. It made our 100th episode probably our longest one. Uh, I'll know when I edit it for sure, but I'm pretty sure right now it is. And and thank you for everyone who's listened. Uh, maybe not to all 100 episodes, but at least to, to the ones you have. Hopefully you listen to the next 100 that we do so you can get to that amazing R-Zone episode. And and again, thank you to all our patrons who've decided to support us. Uh, if you're interested in you know throwing a few bucks at us per month, we do offer some benefits. You get bonus shows we've mentioned. Uh, you get a chance to tell us to cover a game. You get free posts. I just mailed out some stickers, Retrovania stickers. I mean, the, we want to make this so it's it's got some value to you, but we do, you know, even just just thank you to everybody who's decided to support us and, and hopefully continue to do so because uh, we would love to do this for at least another 100 episodes more. Uh, so uh, as we mentioned, next episode, we're going to branch out uh, another generation forward, I guess, in, in time, cover a, a Dreamcast game. Hopefully it will be exciting. And our next bonus episode is going to be on a Sega Genesis animated classic. So hopefully if you're a patron, you'll hear that. If not, we'll see you in two weeks with a Dreamcast game.